Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So there has never been a greater chance that I will come at you with an overly long sermon. Today is Pentecost, the day that we remember with awe and amazement the morning that the Holy Spirit showed up and set the Holy Church on fire. Churches throughout the world are celebrating this day in shades of red. One church I know even sets up each year a cannon to shoot red confetti in the sanctuary. They do their best to vacuum it up, but for the rest of the year, bits and pieces of the red tissue paper that settle into the crevices of the pews are a reminder that the Holy Spirit is ever-present. I could easily go on and on and on about the glory of Pentecost and the power of the Spirit. But today is also the first Sunday of our summer worship series, Biographies of Grace and Lives of Love. And as Tiernan mentioned, the person I chose to honor today is Eugene Peterson. As you may know, I am presently enrolled in a Doctor of Ministry program that is called Holy Presence, Eugene Peterson and the pastoral imagination. I have so much to say about Eugene Peterson, I hardly know where to begin. So here's the plan. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Eugene, and then I'm going to share some words about Pentecost that he penned. That way, we'll get out of here with time to enjoy the incredible hospitality of dining for women. So, sound good? Good plan? All right. Eugene Peterson was born in Montana, the son of a Pentecostal preacher. Now, perhaps you imagined his father when I said that, but it was his mother who traveled to various rural outposts to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. His father was a butcher in Kalspell. Eugene was smart and faithful and figured he'd get his doctorate in biblical studies and spend the rest of his life teaching seminarians about scripture. But then he realized he was called to ministry, called to spend his life teaching ordinary Christians to encounter the Holy Spirit through scripture. He married his wife, Jan, and founded a church in a Baltimore suburb. He spent 29 years pastoring that church, spending his summers back at Flathead Lake in Montana. A few years into his ministry, he started writing books. Some were for pastors, offering an alternative to the superficial leadership books that do little more than distract pastors from what really matters in ministry. He also wrote books for all Christians, presenting the way of Jesus with depth, beauty, and simplicity. With his PhD in biblical languages in his back pocket, 
He played around with translating the Bible into vivid contemporary language. That project caught the attention of a big Christian publisher. After he retired from pastoral ministry, he spent years translating the entire Bible, only person in the 20th century to have done this as a solo project. It was published as The Message. The message was huge, selling millions of copies and even capturing the attention of a musician named Bono, who Eugene reluctantly met with after his kids convinced him that he had to. He spent some time teaching and leading workshops for pastors before easing into a fuller retirement. And in 2018, he died at the age of 85. I first encountered Eugene's work in my first year of ministry. His writing cracked my heart and mind wide open. This was the wisdom missing from my theological education. I was desperate for spiritual and pastoral formation, and I found it in spades in Eugene's pastoral theology. A few years into ministry, I took a workshop called Writing and the Pastoral Life. That single week was one of the most transformative times of my life. I went into the week a bit of a wreck, unsure of my calling as both a writer and a pastor. I left renewed. Within the year, I signed my first book contract and discerned a call to become the associate minister here at First Congo. I continued to immerse myself in Eugene's vision of what it means to be a Christian and a pastor and planned my whole sabbatical around the wisdom of his essay, The Unbusy Pastor. I love that phrase, The Unbusy Pastor. So during my sabbatical, when I heard that Western Seminary would be establishing the Eugene Peterson Center for Christian Imagination and hosting a Doctor of Ministry program centered on his pastoral theology, I knew I had to apply. And that's how I found myself in Montana last month, sitting on the back porch of Eugene's ancestral home, watching dusk fall on Flathead Lake, breaking bread and swapping stories with a company of pastors. One of those pastors is my friend Trigvi Johnson, who penned these words about Eugene that resonate deeply with me. Eugene gave me a vision and language for who I could be as a pastor. He restored honor and dignity to the calling of the pastor. Eugene revived a vision of the pastor as someone serious, intelligent, savvy, creative, playful, and prophetic. Eugene encouraged those in ministry to resist the seductive sirens of the pragmatic pastor in favor of a ministry animated by the patient and cruciform witness of a long obedience in the same direction. Through this encouragement, Eugene pulled me into a larger world of consequence, 
His words and vision helped me see and experience the wide open country of salvation. Here, Eugene invited me to explore the geography of the Trinity, which expanded my imagination and bent my reason back into shape. The use of cliche or paint-by-numbers theology was unworthy of the work. The pastor, Eugene counseled, required a charged imagination, an earthy piety, with a double shot of humor. He showed me that a ministry at play in the expansive fields of the triune God was a much more interesting place to spend the day. And now a few words from Eugene himself on the day of Pentecost. The sheer volume and quality of wreckage in the world and culture around us are appalling. Wrecked bodies, wrecked marriages, wrecked careers, wrecked plans, wrecked families, wrecked alliances, wrecked friendships, wrecked prosperity. We avert our eyes. We try not to dwell on it. We wake up expecting health and love, justice and success. We try to keep our hopes up, and then some kind of crash puts us, or someone we care about, in a pile of wreckage. Newspapers document the ruins in photographs and headlines. Our own hearts and diaries fill in the details. Are any promises, any hopes, exempt from the general carnage? It doesn't seem so. Why, then, is not every intelligent and awake person a cynic? Why does not the wise person despair? Is it sheer naivety that keeps people striving for the best, investing themselves in acts of compassion, giving themselves sacrificially to add to the available beauty, and suffering abuse to witness to the truth? Why? because of Pentecost, because the Holy Spirit is among us and within us, because God's Spirit continues to hover over the chaos of the world's evil and our sin and shapes a new creation and new creatures. Pentecost means that God is not a spectator, in turn amused and alarmed at world history. Rather, God is a participant. Pentecost means that the invisible is more important than the visible. At any single moment and at every single event that we choose to examine. Pentecost means that everything, especially everything that looks to us like wreckage, is material that God is using to make a praising life. The prophet Ezekiel saw a field of dry bones. Dismembered skeletons whitened under the pitiless Babylonian sun. Every one of those bones had once been a part of a laughing and dancing child, an adult who made love and plans, or a believer who had voiced doubts and sung praises in the sanctuary and sinned. The dry bones were all that was left. Sin and judgment on the sin were the last word, at least... That was what it looked like. That is always what it looks like. 
Ezekiel thought so, and everyone with eyes to see and a brain to think thought so. But Pentecost claims another last word. Pentecost celebrates the coming together of the bones into the connected, sinewed, muscled human beings who speak and sing and laugh and work and believe and bless their God. It happened and it happens. It happened in Israel and it happens in church. You can see it happen most any time and any place in the world. You can see it happening. You can be part of the happening. Pentecost celebrates the great fact that through the Holy Spirit, God puts us together again as praising people, no longer dismembered, but remembered into the resurrection body of Christ, which we believe includes the people of God. Celebrate this and live more deeply into the action of God. May it be so.